I beg to differ is a podcast series that isn't about grandeur, but rather the charming messiness of life, the questionable decisions that are involved in how it all somehow seems to make sense in retrospect. My name's Paul, and you might know me from the weekly podcast that I make with my buddy Chris called That Tattoo Show. All tattooists love to share stories, and I'm no different. And a lot of the most important things that we learn in tattooing are rarely learnt from books. They're generally from the life experiences of our mentors and teachers. And during my time as a student, I've been lucky enough to receive invaluable wisdom and advice that has really stood me in good stead and helped me to navigate the rocky waters or the stormy seas of the world of art versus commerce. But my journey is not the important thing here. It's just a frame of reference for the stuff I want to share with you. The events of my life are unimportant, but the advice is. In each episode, we'll delve into the lessons that I've learned and I'll share with you the mishaps, the triumphs and the unexpected revelations that come with all of that. Along the way, I'll also tell you how this particular creative soul stumbled through idealism, tripped over the real world and fell into integrity, all without spilling my pint. And it's mostly true. That tattoo show has been growing steadily over the last three years, and we've had to adapt as quickly as the growth of our subscriber count. Often, it's like walking a tightrope, torn between journalistic freedom, the economic realities of our show, and the impossible standards that we set ourselves, all while more and more brands come knocking at the door. The landscape where art and business converge is a territory of ever-evolving dynamics, an intersection where passion meets pragmatism, creativity marries commerce, and authenticity dances with profit. It's a landscape that has been drawn and redrawn time and time again, reflecting the cultural shifts and economic tides of our times. Understanding this fusion of artistry and entrepreneurship where brand collaborations and the financial possibilities they offer is not only daunting, but quite honestly terrifying for a kid from Birmingham. The balancing trick that all creatives have to learn has been an ever-present dark cloud in my life for what seems like my whole life. But lately, thinking about all the various points in my life that I've had to balance my need for creative freedom with the financial truths of the real world, I'm wondering, where did these ideas and beliefs come from? Growing up in the vibrant post-punk and Grebo scene of the 1980s, I was immersed in the resolute ethos of indie DIY culture. It felt like a cultural anthem echoing through the era, a testament to individualism, self-expression and the rejection of conformity. In those days, Self-reliance and independence were the rallying cry for individuals to seize the reins of their creative pursuits and steer away from the established institutions. I had no idea at the time, but the cultural shifts of the early 80s and the maverick voices that emerged from that time would have a lasting effect on how I see the world. Even if, at the time, my only viewport into the world was via a little English comic called 2000 AD. The people that I chose to work on the, the comic had to have a certain, uh, what should we say, counterculture attitude. It was quite a wild time because we knew we had a hit on our hands, but we also knew that the old regime were going to do their damnedest to destroy it. We were just 
gang of reprobates drop right down in the middle of this totally conservative comic group. In the building we were hated because uh, we were there to usurp the role of the existing boys' comic structure and understandably they didn't like it. I was treating the readers as equals and saying, you know, I'm not going to talk down to you, I'm going to reflect what, what you want. Obviously I'm going to give it my own subversive spin because that's important to my soul. More than anything else, 2018 was the thing that ignited my passion for art. It was the first time I can really remember looking at anything and thinking, I'd like to do that, how do you do it? And I think that subversive publication also gave me my dark sense of humour and my tendency to take the piss out of any and all authoritarian establishments. And I wasn't alone. To me, it was just this small little independent thing that kicked ass. And so I, I felt like I could really identify with what they had going on. I'm buying it for Halo Jones. The, the, the glorious twisted social commentary of Dread and for the madness and the glory and for DR and Quinch. But sadly, I'm a terrible comic book artist, so a job at 2000 AD was going to be out of the question. So I did the next best thing and I joined a band instead. It was while I was on the road and living the lyrics of Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive, in my head at least, the truth was closer to We Are The Road Crew by Motorhead, that I learned what the term graphic designer actually meant. The Designers Republic made the artwork for Populate Yourself, a band that we toured with a lot. Now, I always thought that the Poppies made their own artwork like we did. So when Clint informed me that actually there's this bloke called Ian that makes theirs because he's a graphic something or other, well, that's when the penny really dropped for me and I realised that, well, maybe if I can't be a comic book artist, maybe I could be a graphic designer. It was a real light bulb moment, you know? And that chance exchange in Sheffield in about 1988 would radically change the shape of my life. It's funny how things like that seem more important the further away you get from them. I love DR more for their anti-establishment, pseudo-corporate peace-taking than the actual work. I mean, I loved the work, but I knew inherently that it probably wasn't what I was going to want to do. I loved the humour. So for me, the real direction came from staring at album covers by a label called 4AD. Even though at the time I had no idea how you would make it, I loved those layers of the imagery and the typography, both the you know press type or mechanical type, and then the, the looser kind of more hand-drawn stuff and the mix of all of that into something that, really looking back on it, I don't think there was any album covers really looking like that at the time. So it was Vaughan Oliver's work that really gave me direction and started me on a path that I'm still on today. And that's, again, that's half the attraction of, of working in graphic design or commercial art, because it's not one idea at the end of the day, and I'd rather, I'd much rather the idea was presented and printed 100,000 times in 100,000 homes and collecting dust on a gallery wall. If Vaughan Oliver was the direction, then David Carson was my roadmap. Never snap to guides. We want your mind, we don't want your software. If everybody loves your work, you're playing it much too safe. Do you need some people not liking it? And then you're probably on to something. 
But a big part of graphic design is to get somebody to pick up your book, to click on your site, to walk across the street and read the fine print. Whoa. If you've done your job as a designer, people will do that. David Carson, as far as I'm concerned, is the GOAT. I love everything that he's done. Uh, I love everything that he does. And I think that if you look at my artwork, you can see all of my influences, but you can clearly see that I love David Carson's work. I love his approach to all of it, not just the actual finished product, but how you make the product and in turn what graphic design is really all about. There's so much slick, fine, professional, forgettable graphic design out there. There's even more reason we need a few rebels to make something stand out. You gotta just trust your gut and do what you feel is right. And that's where the really great works come from. So in a lot of ways, every piece of artwork that I make is kind of a tribute and a love letter to him and my love of what he did and what he does. And of course, to my greatest hero, Howard Rourke. Today I find myself in a very different place. The seismic shift caused by technology has demanded changes in the relationship between art and business. That in turn has given birth to new possibilities and of course challenges that none of my early heroes could have imagined. If you taken me back to my youth and whispered into my ear that the indomitable spirit of the 80s punk scene would one day open doors to a future where I could craft my very own radio and TV show, a tomorrow where our fierce punk spirit could find a place on the airwaves and screens defying the odds and the limitations of our wallets, I'd have thought you were peddling some sort of surreal fantasy. The thought of such an artistic journey carrying us into an age where barriers could be shattered and independent voices celebrated would have seemed nothing short of a miracle to me. And if you'd offered me a glimpse of this incredible journey, I'd have itched a ride on your time machine without a second thought, ready to embrace this astounding chapter of the creative journey. And that's exactly where I find myself today, but not by time travel, just time. And that's got me thinking about my later design heroes and thinking, what would they have made of all this? And of all my influences, I've always thought Neville Brody was the person that asked the question, just because it is, does that mean it has to be? How can we use it as a community, as a force for change? I think the rules and the environment that we grew up with are completely different. And we cannot expect the same kind of idea about tribal, collective politics, um, underground movements, youth movements. It's no longer a relevant model. And you might find the equivalent in, I guess, uh, Facebook groups. Um, uh, there's a kind of an internet community that replaces what used to be social tribalism. We're in a space between this kind of commercial commoditization and a space we don't know yet. Um, in a way, What's happening now with digital technology is the equivalent to what happened with the Industrial Revolution and STEAM. STEAM enabled the Industrial Revolution. Digital is like STEAM and it will enable a kind of knowledge, information and media revolution. What lays ahead of us is thoughts about how we can open up this space for more creative potential. When digital started, uh, maybe 20 years ago, it was a fantastic exploratory experimental space. Since then, we've seen it become more and more utilitarian, more and more owned by corporations. So how can we liberate the space again to make it a fantastic cultural opportunity? 
That tattoo show is a product of technological changes, unpredictable events, and the democratisation of both content creation and distribution. Its existence loudly echoes that 80s DIY punk spirit, and all of my heroes are kind of the executive producers of it by way of their influence. We started that tattoo show for ourselves because we needed it. Now you lot have joined us and we get to share life advice and ideas with an audience who, as it turned out, also needed it. When we realised this, we decided to be of service to our viewers and listeners. Throughout our journey, we've held on to a promise that we made ourselves. We vowed that if our show ever reached a juncture where it could be the catalyst for positive change, we'd seize that opportunity and etch it into the show's legacy. Of course, the path to real transformation is a rocky one and it's littered with obstacles, but everything must evolve to survive and offer something more. And that's how this I Beg to Differ was born, out of sticking to that promise to offer clear and possible solutions to your problems. The stories that I'm gonna tell you, lifted from my journey, are merely the frame of reference. The point is the advice, not me. And the result, hopefully, is a little bit of knowledge, all delivered in that age-old form of the tattooist's tall tale. Our mantra's always been clear. Leave the industry better for our presence and be a force for positive change in the complex world that we've chosen to navigate. So now you know how I got here and you've met the voices in my head, hopefully it'll be easier for you to understand the things I want to share with you. But for now, this isn't the end, but it is the end of the beginning. So I'll see you next time. I hope you've enjoyed this and I hope you're looking forward to the stories I'm going to tell you in the future. I'll see you next time. Take care, guys. I Beg to Differ is available in video format on YouTube, in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts, and in its written form in Total Tattoo Magazine, every issue.